Welcome to Good Chat, a podcast series by Two Degrees looking at the changing face of communication in New Zealand. Dr. Anna Martin is a practicing therapist specialising in child, adolescent, adult and couples relationship therapy. In this episode, Dr. Martin seeks to understand how Kiwis today communicate with their loved ones and how this has changed over time. The way we communicate with each other has changed greatly in the past century. From the humble letter to mobile phones, which includes social media and apps that help you keep in touch with family and friends overseas. Modern communication has made the world a smaller place, but has it improved and enriched our relationships? Hi, I'm Dr. Anna Martin, and in this podcast, I'll be looking at the findings of a recent two-degree survey which asked more than 2,000 Kiwis how they communicate with their loved ones. The survey responses were intriguing and I wanted to explore some of the findings further and have a good chat with some everyday Kiwis. Wally and Adele are about to celebrate their 60th wedding anniversary. They met at a national summer youth camp in the 1950s, which were held all over New Zealand. Adele lived in Wellington and Wally in Dunedin. Their relationship blossomed over a number of years, starting out as friends. The friendship developed a little bit more and we started writing to each other uh, on a reasonably frequent basis. It was the only way of communicating really in those days. I mean, there was a telephone obviously. But, but you didn't uh, use that for a toll call. So we wrote to each other and out of that uh, grew a love and uh, we met again at another camp. Uh, just before just you before went I away. Went overseas on an OE, uh, which was for about a year, uh, a bit more than a year actually, 15 months. I came back and moved from Dunedin to Wellington, largely to be uh, closer to where Adele was in and this country. And after nine months, I went away for a year. Yes, you did. Mm. Wow. And uh, during that time, we wrote to each other regularly, mm. still have a pile of letters. And they were letters which contained a, a measure of affection, I would say, put it that way. The kids have a good laugh yeah. when they read them. They do. <laughs> Wally and Adele's romantic relationship developed slowly over a number of years. They both travelled overseas separately for a few years before marrying in 1958 after a year-long engagement. I was curious how they kept in touch while they were away. There was a certain measure of excitement because writing a letter in those days was a, was a task. You know, today you can communicate with somebody on the other side of the planet instantaneously. Mm. But to sit down with uh, paper and pen uh, and envelopes and then make sure you've got a stamp and the whole process. And think about what you're going to say. Uh, and, and to want to write a good letter, mm. not how are you, do you miss me, mm. uh, sort of thing, but mm. something that the, uh, your partner wants to read mm. um, was a challenge. And I guess a certain amount of pride went into that, but we both wanted our letters to be... Newsy. Newsy. Yeah, well, welcome. Yes. Yeah. Well, we did welcome the letters. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of giving a hint of, you know, developing the relationship. Oh, yes, absolutely. In the year that I was, 18 months that I was away, there was not one phone call between us. Can you imagine not being able to speak to your partner, 
not being able to just hear their voice on the phone for 18 months and having to rely on and communicate solely by letter, which took weeks to arrive? I asked Wally how he felt getting a letter from Adele. Oh, I waited for it. It's, it they came pretty frequently, um, certainly fortnightly. It was an affirmation uh, of a relationship and that went on for the whole year that Adele was away. And uh, then, uh, not that long after you came back. Exactly, a fortnight after I came back. As quickly as that, As was quickly it? as that. We got engaged. We did. Two wow. weeks after you we came did. back. We did, yes. I didn't recall that it was that quick, <laughs> but, uh, wow. but okay. That was fast in anybody's <laughs> language, wasn't it? So you communicate with your children and grandchildren in Australia. How, how do you communicate with them? That's the uh, email, mainly. Mainly email, but we, our son in the Gold Coast, we phone, or he phones us reasonably frequently. Right. Um, our three grandchildren in Australia, Sydney and Melbourne, they live in, uh, it's... Email. Email. Right. Much. Interestingly, when they now go away, they want to enjoy their time away and prefer not to be contactable and even go so far as turning their cell phones off. 60% of Kiwis have been in touch with somebody, have communicated with somebody, you know, within the last hour. I so it's that double-edged sword, isn't it? You yes. can't be, yeah. yeah. Can't be without it. I know the grandchildren constantly in their hand, mm. even when they're talking to mm. you, they're communicating with someone else. So when you're away and you want the break and a disconnection, you know, you we just want a break. We, 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 yes. can, we can orchestrate it. Mm. Whereas yeah. your children and grandchildren are probably so used to sort of like, okay, what's going on? I can't keep in touch. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. a very different world uh, in that respect. It really is. I enjoy chatting with Wally and Adele. They provided insight into how they managed to keep strong relationships with all of their relatives who are scattered around the world. Although communicating using written form has been and is important to them, this has evolved from writing and posting letters to composing regular emails to keep everyone, including their grandchildren, who are keen participants, informed. Next, I wanted to chat with someone younger and to consider what might have changed in relation to communication with loved ones. I met with Adrian Tapatu. Adrian is in his early 60s, comes from a large family and travels extensively. I initially asked Adrian to talk with me about how he communicated with family, particularly when he first went overseas as a young man. Communicating with people was, uh, you know, it's quite special. It's, mm. it's like, I think going overseas was kind of like special. And, mm. and I think because New Zealanders always went so far and for so long, um, it, it was kind of given that um, it, was, it was quite an event. So communicating back to New Zealand was always through letters, the same postcards, that everyone else sent. So how do you think your family felt with you being overseas and not having as easy, you know, you weren't as accessible um, back then compared to what you have available now? How does that fit? Like, how did you feel being a little bit more isolated from your family? Oh, yeah, I, I, think, I think the family always felt, you know, there was, there was an expectation that, well, you know, they were away. Um, sort of so gone. Too we'll see you soon. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, every now and then if a phone went, um, you know, I'd probably know, as I said, it's a call from home, you know, oh, well, someone's died. Ah. And so, and so there were those, those things. Well, you knew it was quite serious. Mm. 
Um, and so every now and then if you had a chance. So later on in years, so you know, when I was fatting in London, mm. and so mm. one, of the, one of the good ideas was mm. to go to someone's flat for a party <laughs> and ring home. Right. Use their line. Use their line. <laughs> yeah, we had someone who worked for British Telecom. A Kiwi worked for his telecom, so he had up, set up a special alarm. So mm. no matter how much the party was going on, mm. if you dialed the international number, this big bell would go off in the house, and <laughs> yeah, you know, everyone knew. Everybody knew. <laughs> uh, I think, I think, um, I think it was easy in a sense in terms of uh, because people didn't communicate. Mm. Well, they didn't know how, what the what the possibilities would be mm. in the future. If you describe the kind of opportunities in technology. Mm. Uh, today, 15, 20 years ago, mm. people would laugh at you. As Adrian has embraced technology and now keeps in touch with family and friends through group chats, I asked him if he was surprised that one in three Kiwis find it hard to establish relationships with the use of technology. I think New Zealanders are, are quite good at communicating. Mm. I think we're good at communicating with each other. Mm. I think we're very good at um, communicating with, with others. Mm. Uh, I think it's part of our friendliness mm. and so we kind of believe that we should be. So how do you think technology impacts on establishing connected, connectedness with people? Oh look I think it's, I, I, I think it's another tool. Mm. I think you know once it was cards and letters mm. and, then, and gatherings mm. in halls across the nation mm. um, and I and I just I think um, that it's another way of people to to be able to uh, touch base and connect. We live stream tangies, you know. So wow. as we celebrate uh, people dying and the passing of people, we wow. it's it's um, you know. And our people have always been quite you know very good at embracing. And, uh, and adopting things, otherwise we would have stayed in a stagnant cultural pool. We are, mm. we are traders, we are explorers, we do all these mm. things, you know. I was going to say, how does that impact on the tradition of those types of um, protocols, those types of ceremonies? That's interesting, you know, so if you go in, inside a meeting house, mm. so you've got carvings of people yes. that were representations mm. of, of actual people. Mm. So in the, you know, in the late 19th century, early 20th century, we adopted other kinds of technology. Uh, so we have photographs, you go into meeting houses, and you have sepia photographs taken from the 1890s, the early 20th wow. century. And instead of having carvings of our ancestors in, in families, we have photographs. So that's embracing wow. technology. So just back to family and traveling now with that technology, yeah. you don't feel as disconnected. Oh, the opposite, you know, everybody, today I was watching another relative, you know, who, mm. and we were all mapping, so mm. he's been across Europe and he's, he's at Niagara Falls and he's somewhere else and, mm. and taking the, the kids too. So, mm. you know, so it's, a, it's become a familial mm. opportunity mm. for people to see what's going on yeah. with their families um, internationally mm. as well as down the road. Next on my journey, I meet Helen. Helen is a vivacious single woman who lives on her own in Auckland. She is in her early 40s. More than half of Kiwis say they use written communication, such as texting, to avoid confrontation or to deliver bad news. I asked Helen if she had either experienced or been guilty of using this method. My mum passed away recently in June 
And um, my mum had lots of friends and friends from my mum are my friends as well. So I've, yeah, I've had to, um, over the course since her passing, communicate that sort of thing via um, private messenger and I've put it on Facebook as well, obviously, because mm. we've had lots of people inundated with messages and kind mm. thoughts once she'd passed mm. and, and those that came to the funeral and those that couldn't come to the funeral. Mm. So I have, yeah, I have actually used it in that space for the simple reason that I'm, my audience is just a lot wider. Mm. Helen mentioned that she had used a Facebook post to communicate the passing of her mother to friends and extended family members. So I asked her how she would have let them know if she didn't have the use of today's modern technology. I snail mail probably. <laughs> yeah, it would have taken a lot longer. And I wouldn't have known everyone's addresses because everybody's, yeah. you know, moving around so much, whereas you know, your Facebook, your Facebook for life, or, you know, you might go off and then come back on. Mm. Um, but there's, yeah, it's just an audience. I sort of picking up a sense that it feels like you were, you were really honouring your mum through that process, like it was, you know, something that you felt she, you know, would have really valued and loved and, you know. Yeah, definitely. Felt like it was a really important yeah. part of that. Yeah, I think so. It was... Um, yeah, I, I post a little bit online, but not um, real personal, personal stuff. But mm. it just it felt, you know, I felt mm. right and uh, to acknowledge her. And mm. because I know she was a Facebook user too, mm. like she's with me, she's going to be so proud, you know, mm. that this is her legacy, that she's, you know, everyone's just chiming in on mm. how wonderful she was and how sorry they're, that she's passed. Mm. You're listening to Good Chat, a podcast series by Two Degrees, looking at the changing face of communication in New Zealand. Two of the most consistently difficult conversations Kiwis struggle to have with their loved ones across all age groups and relationship types is telling your loved one you feel lonely or telling them you feel sad. For Marlies, arriving in New Zealand from Sri Lanka six years ago after receiving a scholarship from the University of Canterbury it was hard not being able to Skype her parents on the first night she arrived. So but not yeah. having that connection with your parents via Skype that night? Oh, it family. Was, that was awful, absolutely awful. You obviously had a voice conversation with your parents, mm -hmm. but you were probably just looking out to see their faces. Yeah, um, it was nice to talk to them on the mm. phone, obviously, that night. Um, but it's, it's, it's just different seeing them on the screen, seeing them in person. Mm. Uh, well, not in person. Um, it was definitely different because um, I'm an only child. And so mum, dad and I are quite close. And so uh, it, was, it was different not having them actually there. Mm. But Skype and, and video chats just make it that much easier, I yeah. guess. Yeah. yeah. Like Marlies's family, three in ten Kiwis keep in touch with their family using a dedicated group chat. How do you think yeah. they would have coped without the technology now, without oh, those methods? They would not have been able to cope. How would that have impacted on your life? Do you think you would have made different decisions? I don't, I don't know. I think, because like I said, from... from a very young age, I always wanted to, to travel and, and study mm. abroad. And I think because of, of the opportunities that you have um, outside of Sri Lanka, mm. I really wanted to pursue pursue that. Um, mm. And so I, I don't think 
it would have um, majorly impacted my decision. I still would have moved. Um, but in terms of, I guess, being able to cope, it would have made it that much harder. So instead of perhaps two or three months of intense homesickness, particularly when you were unwell, mm. it may have lasted longer, Oh, much longer, yeah, definitely. Yeah. The survey results revealed that admitting to feeling lonely or sad is almost as difficult for Kiwis as talking about their love life. Were you able to talk about your loneliness and being homesick or being sad about missing them online and through technology, do you think? Um, I think? I think so. I Like, even just having access to... Facebook and Instagram and mm. stuff like I was always able to keep in touch with my friends because mm. like after we after we left high school we sort of a lot of us moved away and so mm. I've got friends now s scattered across Europe mm. and America and and a few in Australia as well mm. and so it was it, it's good that I've got that way of communicating with them and I think for me especially with mum and dad and my closest friends, like it's easy for me to, to open up saying, oh, hey, I, I miss you, mm. or, yeah. Finally, I meet Sienna, who's 18 years old and lives with her parents in Auckland. Sienna is still at school, but her boyfriend is in his first year at Otago University in Dunedin, so they are in a long-distance relationship. A third of Kiwis say their partners spend too much time on their smartphone and it's affecting their relationship. I asked Sianna what effect the smartphone has on her relationship. I definitely think it, it um, positively benefits mm. it. Yeah, without, without a smartphone, I mean, it would be a lot harder to, to you know, communicate with, mm. with that person that's so far away. So, mm. yeah, it's, it's always nice to be able to... Um, just be a phone phone call away from someone mm. I suppose which is yeah I suppose when we were together like when when we were physically together it's um we were kind of distracted like mm. we would obviously find times where we would both just kind of mm. lie around on our phones and then there wasn't much to talk about and stuff like mm. that but we were never too too bad I wouldn't say it negatively impacted us at all or anything like that yeah but you mentioned you know sort of some people that it might impact on their relationship? Yeah, I would say um, a few, yeah, there's, there's obviously some people at school that are just addicted to their phones and it's, it's mm. never, never good to see that, but um, mm. I can't imagine, yeah, um, hanging out with them one-on-one -on -one might be a little bit more difficult than someone who isn't. Do you yeah. think they're aware that they're addicted? Um, I would say, yeah, I mean, I think you'd notice if you weren't, Mm. Yeah, I think it would also probably affect how you connected with someone in person as well. Mm. So they probably realise, yeah. Mm. Mm. It's quite hard to actually uh, monitor and reflect on that yourself to actually yeah. see, because obviously the smartphone is giving them something mm. that they're really enjoying, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, especially um, now we have things like Instagram and other forms of social media that yeah. are so easy to just scroll on for so long and um, not kind of you just get lost in time you just forget like and then you check the time and you've been on it for an hour or so and it's yeah um, I mean I found myself doing that sometimes when I have nothing else to do and it's it's not good but yeah sometimes you just don't realize 
I asked Sianna how she communicates with her boyfriend. Mostly, I mean, we Snapchat quite a lot during the day mm -hmm. um, while I'm at school and while he's, you know, going to uh, lectures and going home and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So we just keep in contact um, throughout the day most of the time and mm -hmm. then we might finish off the day with a FaceTime if we've got enough time or we're not too busy. Yeah. Nice. And do you experience sort of a, a communication that keeps the relationship alive via technology because it must be harder is it? Yeah it is I mean I think if if we weren't to FaceTime and hear each other's voices and things mm -hmm. like that and have a proper conversation I think it would mm -hmm. be a lot harder mm -hmm. you know just going off of um, like quick messages so mm -hmm. I do prefer to have a conversation if, if mm -hmm. it's something that I think could get lost in translation but be misinterpreted. Yeah. yeah. I was interested to know if Sianna could imagine life without the modern communication forms like Facebook or Snapchat. I, I'd like to say yes, but I don't, I don't think so, no. Yeah. Um, I think there's definitely the positive sides to, to all of that, you know, um, mm -hmm. things like having relatives overseas and long distance friendships and relationships and stuff. It does mm -hmm. make it a lot easier to communicate and connect with people rather mm -hmm. than it having to be a phone call, which sometimes mm. you just don't have the time to, mm. to make. We have now travelled through three generations and chatted about the way they have and do communicate with each other. Has modern technology improved and enriched our relationships? Let's consider a stark contrast, but under similar circumstances, Wally and Adele and their courtship compared to Sianna and her boyfriend who are experiencing the same long-distance relationship, but 60 years apart. Wally and Adele wrote letters to each other, which took between three days to two weeks to arrive. While Sianna and her boyfriend communicate instantly, several times a day. Although the different eras still enabled the development of relationships, with the accessibility of travel and with more people having families spread around the world, you will have heard throughout this podcast that modern technology has definitely assisted and enriched communication within our relationships. It allows us to share bad news, as Helen discussed, or live in another country, as Marlies is experiencing, while still maintaining strong and close relationships with family and friends overseas. It is also wonderful to learn how modern technology is being used to livestream tangis and keep distant family connected to their tangata whenua. This is just the start of the conversation around how we communicate. Is it time to have a good chat with your loved ones? My name is Dr. Anna Martin. Thank you for taking this journey with me. Thanks for listening to our first podcast in the Good Chat series. Look out for the next podcast on communication in the workplace, where we explore the most effective ways of communicating versus the preferred method of communication at work.